Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a parenting podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and it is June, which means it is Pride Month. That is right. It is the month we, as a society, have dedicated to celebrating all things LGBTQ+. And what I want to do here at the Detox Podcast is really highlight different stories from different members of the community, highlight what Pride Month matters to them, how you can be a better advocate, ally, friend, person in general. I think you're really going to enjoy it. I've got some great conversations lined up. To kick off Pride Month, something that I wanted to do was do kind of a supercut episode with clips from four different episodes that I've had in the past with different members of the LGBTQ plus community really highlighting something specific. So I think you're going to really enjoy it. I'm going to do a little intros for each clip. And to kick us off is my good friend Nick North from episode 80 of the Detox podcast, Learned Behavior. So this is the first time Nick appeared on the show. I ran into him at Dad 2.0 Summit 2019, February in San Antonio. He and I immediately hit it off. I had to get his parenting conversation and his individual journey on the mic for all of you. And the clip that you're going to hear is his specific parenting perspective going from motherhood to fatherhood. And I'm not going to spoil anymore. I think you're going to really enjoy it. But to hear the full conversation, make sure and go back and listen to episode 80, Learned Behavior, featuring Nick North. Enjoy. Talk me through your journey becoming a dad, and what is that? What did that look like for you? And then also talk. It's a me doozy. Through. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm excited. We're gonna dig in. So buckle up. Yes, I'm, I'm, this is for the listeners. Like I'm already buckled. We're ready. Okay, to go. perfect. So <laughs> I um I actually started my steps into parenthood not as a dad. Um, I actually uh, lived the first thirty years of my life. Uh, presenting as a woman. Okay. And so I am a trans man. Um, and my, I birthed the first four of my children. Okay. So, uh, I, exciting times. Yeah. I have experienced all of the parenthood and I think that it allows me to see fatherhood differently because I have been both a stay at home mom and a work from home dad. I have been a, the sole provider in both roles. I have been, a fully kept woman who like, you know, made dinner at five o'clock and raised the kids and a work from home mom. And I, I, I have been a, you know, a, a go to work mom and right. a go to work dad. Like I have done the whole gamut of it. I've, I have done the drop offs and pickups and the sleepless nights and yeah. I get both sides of it. And my wife is just like, this is being married to a trans guy is the best thing ever <laughs> because like I understand what it feels like to be right. a woman and to be a mom and to feel like you've lost your identity completely. But then I also get to look at things and go like, you know what? As much as women are like, Hey, our house is on fire, which it is. Right. <laughs> uh, the man's like men's house is next door and it is falling down and it's like dilapidated and no one has been giving any care to it either. Right. Because we are so set on fo like forcing 
men into one box and women into another and their responsibilities and their flaws. That's air quoted. Sure. Uh, right, right. And but that was not able to see. Exactly. Yeah. That was a very good air quote, right. you know? And like all of our problems, we're, we're focused on those, but we're not focused on the fact that like actually we're creating this cycle, the both all genders together are creating this cycle. Um, and it's, it's, you know, men have been traditionally in the power of that cycle, but having been a woman, I can see the places where it was really unfair for me to put a lot of pressure on my ex-husband Okay, as well. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. So how many kids do you have now? So we have five. Okay. So, uh, we're a blended family, four of them, I birthed one of them, my wife birthed. Gotcha. Um, yeah, we are a big, we're not even Mormon. I, you know, or Catholic, <laughs> right? We're just a bunch of queer heathens who just like to have kids. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> no, that's really cool. So, how did? So, it's really interesting to me because of the fact that you talk about how you know you were you're able to see the motherhood aspect and the fatherhood aspect as well, right? And so, you have a unique perspective that for me. Uh, you know, have being a uh, and I and apologies in advance if I get this uh, mm-hmm. very clunky. Like yeah, I'm me. I'm always trying to evolve and learn more about myself, right? And so I'm trying to. So me as a cisgender male, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, can you help f- explain what I'm trying to say for those that may not know? So what I'm trying to say is I'm a male. I've always presented as a male. I am you a... always identified as the gender that you were assigned at birth. Thank you. Yeah. So Thank you. I was assigned female at birth. The doctors were like, this is a baby. It's a girl. Right. And I was a baby. So I couldn't say otherwise. Sure. And so that's what happened. And then as a kid, I knew that I wasn't a girl. I knew that like, wait a second, this doesn't feel right. What's going on? And, okay. you know, I tried to articulate that the best I could. And I remember having a conversation with my grandma and her being like, look, kid, this is just the way it is. Like, yeah. There, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you are what you are. Right. This, you're stuck here. Right. Make the best of it. Yeah. You know. And I did until I realized that I was dying inside. You know. And sure. like, I wasn't making the best of it. And I had this really, really wonderful life. I had a big house and the nice car and the really great husband. Like, my ex-husband is one of my best friends still. He's one of the greatest guys around. I'm so grateful that he's who I chose to have kids with. Um. I had all the things that one could want in suburban Canada yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was still wildly unhappy mm. and not in like a, I, you know, want to die sort of way, but in like a, I have everything and I feel empty inside and sure. that's not right. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Then I fell in love with a woman and was like, Oh, and then the more that I was allowed to show up masculine in my relationship because she's pretty feminine. Sure. Um, the more that like that felt authentic and that I needed to be like, Oh, this is, this is what I've sort of have been looking for my whole life. Right. Um, and then it was just sort of one of those like, Oh, of course this is the next step. It did. It didn't, I thought it was going to be this really scary thing. And it was at the time it was like super scary and telling the kids was the scariest part. And how, like, did, how did they react to that? Our kids didn't give a crap. Yeah. Truthfully. <laughs> because, because kids don't, they don't have stories. They yeah. don't have a story about like, okay. what's right or what's wrong. Right. Um, and like we, 
we hired therapists, we had a plan, we had a backup plan. Sure. We were like so prepared because people are always like, but what about the kids? And right, I'm like, right. you're right, I forgot about them. I didn't right. know. I didn't know that they existed. I, I wasn't even thinking. <laughs> but like but like kids, mm -hmm. they take your plans and go, I don't really need these. I don't, yeah, exactly, I'm, right? Whatever. Cool. And so we did all of that. We like, there was a pizza making party. We got them all around the island and we were like, so you know how mom doesn't really feel like a mom sometimes? Like right. actually, turns out that she feels more like a him and that she always has and sort of had that conversation with them and like the one kid was well can I eat this pepperoni now <laughs> and the other kid was like can I w will you grow a beard that you can stroke when you're thinking and then the big question was that is a good question it is though. a very good question and I was like if the good lord allows me I'll be honest I the good lord has not allowed me so the two of us together right. we have no beards um but the big question was, why did you wait so long? Mm. And I, I was like, ooh, ouch, from the mouths of babes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it, the truth was that, like, I don't think that I had the language. I didn't know that it was a thing that I could be. Right. Um, and then I was like, I was already in, mm -hmm. you know? Right. And I didn't, there was no, there were no people like me out there. There were yeah. no representation of who you could be and be successful. And I looked, if you look at what the trans narrative is, typically when you see trans people on TV, they're being murdered on CSI. Yeah. Or they're prostitutes. Right. And so we don't have a good narrative. It's not like, well, I guess well, I'd like to become a prostitute, so I'll become a trans person. Right. I, it was really scary to think what would happen to my career and what would happen to my family and would my wife still love me and would my family still love me? And like, for me, I was lucky that all of those things went well. Yeah. Um, and I feel a ton of privilege for, for that, which is why I choose to be as visible and vocal as I am. Because sure. there were no, like, I'm, I've never been harmed. I've had some very strange interactions in bathrooms that people feel like I should or shouldn't be in. Uh, uh, being from Texas, I understand. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fair enough. But it's gone pretty smooth for me, you yeah. know? And the kids didn't, really care they they wanted to know like what they should call me and we said you can call me whatever feels comfortable for you that's if, helpful if you yeah. choose like we, we told them like you might notice that mom starts to look more like a man and that people start to refer to him as him and that i'm gonna my, my wife said and i'll be referring to him as him and my husband and things like that and he would like you to refer to him as him as well but you can always call him mom. He will right. always be your parent. He will always be who birthed you. He will always be your mom. And if that feels uncomfortable and you want to try something else out, you can absolutely do that too. And they, uh, like Danger, my 10-year-old, referred to me only as father, like in a strange, <laughs> like weird voice. <laughs> was it a Darth Vader voice? Because that's what it sounded like. It was like, like it was like Luke. Yeah, it was like a little like Darth. It was like a Darth Vader Borat voice. I was like, I just you're merging things. Um, and like the other kids, like then it was Mappa for a little while, like half mom, half papa. Sure. Uh, we're Canadian, so we speak Francais. Okay, uh, parle Francais. Ah, and our wee oui, wee. Oui. Yeah, our kids. That's um, extended my knowledge. Yeah, no. I don't actually speak very much. Right, my, but my children go to French immersion school. Oh, that's and awesome. Because so, I was like. Two languages, more money. That's smart. My mother-in-law teaches French, and my wife speaks a tiny bit of it. So we're we're trying. You're trying. We're trying. But my daughter, we have this book that's French and English, and I only read the English part. And my wife tried reading the French part one time, and my daughter went, 
stop with this stuff. What is this? What is this? I don't even know. Now she gets it, and we're working on it. We're working. Yeah. Quick interjection. I like it. But yeah, so she they called me Papa for a little while, and honestly, they just Dad just became easier. Yeah. And now they call me and their other dad dad and if they need to differentiate it's for daddy chris or daddy nick and okay. that's just how it rolls that works for them. yeah okay. and before we were i was uh, mama and my wife was mommy okay worked just fine too yeah but yeah i like oh man that's so that's so fascinating to me and it's so it's so true with the fact that like kids do not care like they're they will roll with whatever because honestly they're like i love you as a person and this is and this is the most like interesting aspect of the fact is that um kids know that you are a human and they love you for that and that's all they care about and i feel that a lot of times people will dwell on things that don't matter and they try and drive down and and make people into things Mm -hmm. and then try and tell you what you can and cannot do and it's like yeah but people are people way more complex than that more complex and you can't say that this person can can love this man or this woman, but they can't the other way. And it's like, no, but 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 people are people. And at the end of the day, does it really matter? Right? No. Does it, it affect your life? We the gays no. have not come and ruined marriage yet. Right. Right. It's right. been a few years, guys. Yeah, yeah. We haven't taken down the institution. <laughs> right. I'm just saying. It's all you straight folk that are doing that poly stuff. That's not us. Just saying. <laughs> But but it was really fascinating. What I was trying to say earlier is you have a unique and and I like stumbled over my words, but you have a super unique perspective in that you can see both the parenting aspect from motherhood and fatherhood, whereas I'm trying to see motherhood only from the vein of fatherhood. Mm-hmm. And I'm making my best guesses and best attempts. And I feel like I succeed at times and I fail at times. But what I really try and do is use every single interaction as a learning opportunity. If you want to hear more of Nick's story or really follow what he and his wife and his entire family are up to, you need to go to nicknorth.co. That's nicknorth.co, and you'll be able to follow everything that he is doing. I think you're really going to enjoy it. I look forward to having Nick back on the podcast. Now, this next clip you're going to hear is from episode 89, True Colors of a Princess, featuring Mark Lowen. It's from April of 2019. Mark was on the show to talk about his specific work as a play therapist with children, his story. He shares a story about coming out, meeting his husband, getting their daughter, and the genesis of the idea to write this children's book, True Colors of a Princess. So the clip you're going to hear is Mark talking about writing the book, as well as how his journey influenced that decision, his work as a play therapist influenced it. It's really great clip, but it's an even greater full episode. So again, if you want to listen to his episode, go back and listen to episode 89, True Colors of a Princess, featuring Mark Lowen from April 14th, 2019. So, spe- yeah. so speaking of your daughter and 
and just your relationship with her, I want you to kind of walk me through, I know this is going to be a lot, but I want you to walk me through your experiences. Uh, and there's a couple here, but your experiences specifically coming out, uh, meeting your partner and having your daughter. What was, what were all those experiences like for you? And, and kind of what was your like personal journey and evolution through each of those phases? <laughs> well, you're asking me to, to describe about like, 10 years of my life. Right, yeah. Oh. That's all. No big deal. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm just going to be... Um, right. But, but when I, when I, when I uh, you know, I, I came to the United States and I kind of accepted myself and all that, and I was ready to go back home to Paraguay. So I went to Paraguay. I I uh, came out. Like, I did, like, the official coming out. Some people sure. knew that I was gay. But even people that knew that I was gay at that time, it was kind of like, hey, I have this thing. It's bad. It's sinful. It's horrible. And I'm working on it. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't like a coming. It, you know, it wasn't like, hey, this is who I am. Right. So, so then I, I went back and I, I told people in Paraguay, and I was ready to be like, I'm like free and out, and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna date like I never did before, and like without shame and be happy. And so I came, and two <laughs> days later, I met the guy that's now my husband, and. Um, and part of me was kind of like, oh, my God, this dude is amazing. And right. the other part of me was like, shit, I really wanted to date longer. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, I guess date, like I could date him, but like I wanted to be like just free. Right. Um, but um, but I couldn't let, you know, it, it, it really was a, was a really cool, like it was a cool connection we had. It was great. I, you know, most of, most part, the, the biggest part of me did not want anybody else or anything else. And, and so we, we started, uh, we got pretty, I don't know if serious is the right word, but we, we hung on every day, you know. Right. Um, and so after a few years, uh, we, you know, we moved in together, uh, not after, like after a year or so. And then eventually talked but one of the things that I asked him in one of our first times that we've been together was I said I, I just want to ask you I'm not asking for now or anything I just want to know where you stand with this and I just want to know do you ever want to be a parent mm. and um and he said yes um and so I said fine that's good and that's all I need to know right now I just don't want to I just didn't want to be with somebody that would all like right away be like no that's not for me sure uh, and I kids right i mean i chose a career like a, where i work with kids so um so that was just that and then later on we when we were ready we we're like yes you know let's have kids uh or have a kid um we looked at what our options are and we landed with um an adoption and we decided for open adoption which means that the birth the child you know maintains a relationship with their birth family and um and that sounded like the the healthiest thing for the child and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way, honestly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that happened. She was born. She was. Uh, I mean, we uh, we met her birth mother when she when her birth mother was pregnant, uh, two weeks before the baby was born. Zoe was born, and then we were there at the hospital when Zoe was born, and uh, had a little room, and we hung out with Zoe there all day long for two days or so until they get discharged. Then we stayed for two weeks with the birth grandparents oh wow uh, because we couldn't leave the state uh yet oh okay this process yeah because it's not actually your child right like adoption takes a sure and so um so we stayed with them we built a relationship with them and then eventually you know came back home and so we grew up and now she has uh i mean she she has a she goes every summer she goes and spends at least a week with her birth grandparents who are she calls oma and opa which is german for uh, 
of grandma and grandpa and they are actually <laughs> also from germany so it's kind of a weird coincidence oh that's uh, really cool though because like our... so, yeah like she's still getting the that cultural aspect as well yeah yeah so uh, and 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 so her birthday is huge she just turned seven and we celebrate her birthday this weekend and her birth mother and her birth grandparents will be here and she has a the tradition is that she decorates her cake or cupcakes with her birth mom who, who she decorates cakes so they do that together and um so they have, they have a cute relationship and it's 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 great to see that that's really fantastic. So talk me through, I know that was a lot. You did a really good job condensing about 10 years into about five minutes. So congratulations to you. <laughs> but I want you to talk me through now the genesis of writing your book. What does a princess really look like? And I really want to dive into the, the origin of it, where you got the thought for it, how it came to be, and then kind of where it stands yeah, now. Right. You, you talked about yeah. like going on and, and doing some appearances and reading for different schools. So let's kind of talk through all of that as well. Yeah. So, so, um, it, it, the whole thing kind of started. I think the first thing that happened was that, um, when we had a, a child, you know, one of the things that you worry about as when you are, a you know, to that family is that your child, especially in, in a place where we live in Richmond, pretty liberal, pretty good, but there's not a lot of dads, uh, to that families. So, you know, will they feel different because they have a different kind of family? And so right. you buy all the books, uh, all the children's books that have two dads in it. But the thing was with those books is that all of them kind of explain that all families are okay, basically, right? They just right. say, you know, Jason has two moms and, you know, uh, one mom does this, the other mom does that and whatever has two dads and one dad does this and one dad does that. And so we did that and they're, those are beautiful and wonderful books and they're great for what they are. But... But eventually, I think I think Zoe was like a four. She was kind of like she didn't want to read, and I'm you know I'm here like why don't you want to read? Right. And she was like I want to read about girls. You know she didn't want to read about parents uh, or families. Okay. That made sense. And uh, what then? Then just a little bit later, she was reading it, and I think maybe she said this because I was like pushing those other books. But she says. She said, you know, the girls in these books don't have two dads. Oh. And that was mind was like, you know, we and, and by, by the way, you know, like chapter books, like middle grade books do this a little more where they have people with gay parents and they just happen to be gay parents. It's not an issue. Sure. Um, but in books, we're not incorporating that very naturally yet. Um, and so I was just saying to a friend, I was just saying, you know, there, there's got to be more books where kids just happen to have two moms, two dads or whatever, you know, different families. And, um, and so then that was one thing that was just in my mind. Like I need to write one, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't a, a book writer. I wrote blog articles. I didn't. Right. And so, um, so then later what happened was we were at the playground and Zoe is playing with me and she says, Hey, let's play princess and knight. And I said, okay, sure. What does, what does the knight do? And she says, he fights. Well, what does a princess do? And she says, she puts her hand, like her wrist kind of to her forehead. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, said, yeah. Cool, right? And she says, she looks beautiful. And I was like, oh, that's, that. there's no skill in that. Like, right. You know, and so she, but she wanted to play it and I'm a play therapist. So right, I said, right. okay, I'll fight. You look beautiful. But can we then after that turn it around and can I look beautiful and you fight? Right. And so she was, yeah, sure. And so she did it. 
Um, and we, we turned this around a, a couple of times and she loved being the fighter. Right. Right. But part of me, you know, I realized that, that like when I was a kid, I wanted to be the princess. I was the gay, little gay boy. Like, I wanted to be the princess. Right. And I wasn't allowed to. So now I wanted to, her to play princess all the time. But the truth was, she is just cast in this part of being this princess that doesn't do much. And that's not her choice. That's where society is putting her into. Right. And so that's a very different situation. Um, so, so a couple, you know, fast forward to a couple of weeks later and she, she's asking me, can you draw me a princess? And I started drawing and I was like, you know, it's beautiful hair and it's a beautiful dress. And like, it's going down that. And I thought, oh my God, like I'm feeding this, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I said, let me start over. I kind of tossed that out and started with the body. Like, you know, she has a crown because she is responsible for a lot of big decisions for the kingdom. And she has uh, you know, in her head is her brain. She's super smart and she is observant because she can see what people need. And so, you know, her arms are strong. And so we kind of did like, it's kind of a body positivity thing that sure. we go through the body, but by the, what the body actually does instead of what it just looks like. Right. Um, and so the next day I, I tell my same friend that I mentioned before and I say, Hey, this is what we did together. And my friend's like, Hey, that's your book. <laughs> and so I, you know, that started the journey. I mean, it goes through so many edits that it ended up a different story from what we started it. Right. But, but, um, but you know, in in the end, it's this book about, and so my daughter's name is Zoe and the character's name is Chloe. So it's kind of like an alter ego. Sure. Um, and, uh, that's what Chloe does. And she just happens to have two dads in the book, but the dads don't do a whole lot. Um, it's really about her. If you want to follow Mark and what he's up to, make sure to go to his website, marklowenauthor.com. That's Mark, L-O-E-W-E-N, author.com. And you'll be able to follow everything that he is up to and doing. And make sure and go purchase his book, True Colors of a Princess, on Amazon.com or any local bookseller that you're used to purchasing books from. It's a great way to both celebrate LGBTQ plus authors and to show the market that there is an increasing demand for this type of literature and content. Now, the next episode that you're going to be able to hear a clip from is episode 108, Josh Swallows Broadway, featuring my good friend Josh Lehman. Now, in this clip, uh, Josh comes on and is talking about his journey in college, trying to figure out how to get a theater degree, dropping out, starting his theater career, and how that ultimately led to a path down to Broadway. He talks about his struggles, his trials. We share some some tips for parents who might be considering having their children in theater and what that could entail. Josh and I met back in 2005 working on a production of Godspell in Fort Worth, Texas at Bass Hall. And Josh is somebody I've really enjoyed watching his career ever since then. He's done some amazing shows on Broadway, such as The Prom. And I just, he's a great spirit. And along with Nick and Mark and Josh and Saffron, who's going to be the next clip you're going to hear from, I'm excited to have all of these individuals back on the show at some point. But for now, enjoy the following clip from episode 108, Josh Swallows Broadway, featuring Josh Lehman, back in October 14th, 2019.
like what was um, your experience with your parents when you were coming up? Were you always an actor? When did you know you wanted to be an actor? What was their thought process and approach? And then um, yeah. that kind of stuff. Because I, I think a lot of parents would really like to know because there's so many that I talk to where their kids want to go into theater, but they have no experience. And they ask me because they know I have some what their approach should be. Sure. Um, well, my parents were always really supportive. My happiest times, like memories, are with my mom going to see junior theater okay. in San Diego where I grew up. And, um, you know, they were always very supportive. It was what I wanted to do. But to them, they treated it like it was an activity. Like, mm -hmm. you know, oh, little Jimmy's going to go play soccer and then he has swim practice and piano or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so they were very adamant that this was not going to be a career for oh, me, even though okay. I really wanted it to be as a child. Right. Not as an adult, just as a kid. They were like, we are not schlepping you to Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> we are not doing all this. You are a kid and you are going to go to school. Right. And then you can do whatever the hell you want with your life. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm very grateful for that. I've worked with a lot of kid actors that, you know, some of them come out really great. Others, I'm like, yeah, yeah, this business is not meant for children. This business is not meant for anybody. Right. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I'm trying to circle back to your question. Am I... Yeah, I guess for advice for parents, um, just let them explore the arts mm -hmm. and have fun. The most important thing is that it's fun. If it's going to be an episode of Dance Moms and become competitive, then don't do it. The most important thing that I teach, like the kids that I teach mm -hmm. when I do audition classes and master classes and stuff is like, look around the room. Who you see is not your competition. They are your community. Mm. So, mm. you know, I feel like you can really teach kids a lot of great stuff also about public speaking mm -hmm. and having confidence to get out of your own skin and make contact with other people. I think it's great. Right. I think that's so key, especially when you talked about the community aspect, because the the um, oh, what am I trying to say? Uh, there are. Um, there are a lot of times, so I'm in, uh, in the business world in my day-to-day -day job and I'm talking to people and I'm working with people. Usually when we're working together on a project, they'll say, you know, Hey Joe, you're, you're project managing this really well, or you're collaborating really well. Um, uh, what, what was your background in? And I said, well, I did, uh, I played sports and they're like, ah, oh, that's it. And I went, but really it comes from all the years growing up that I was in theater. And it took me a very long time to realize that the people I was working with, I was working with, not against. And to your point, they were the community. And when I realized that and and worked with others and we brought it together, we succeeded. The show succeeded. The quote-unquote project succeeded. And then we all win. Because with, you know, and I think a little bit more too with sports that I played. I played hockey. It, it You have to be a team, but also like, you shine because one or two people can like really take the load onto them. But in a show, you can only have a lead take so much on them because they're not always going to be on stage or always going to be uh, involved. And so you've got to rely on everybody. That's, that's absolutely key. I love that. That's, oh, that's so good. Well done. Well done. I think we've solved parenting for everybody. Good. <laughs> it, only Congratulations. Took, it only took 12 minutes. There we go. Fantastic. <laughs> I want... and that's the episode. See y'all later. Uh, deep, deep, deep. That's all, folks. Right. <laughs> no. Um, but now I really want to hone in on 
what was your first um i had a friend of the show rebecca kennedy on several several months ago maybe it was earlier this year where she talked about she's in la and she talked about doing shows and then moving to la and really getting started in that career and what that all looked like and the ups and downs and so i really want you to kind of walk us through going because uh, you you didn't finish college correct Correct. I dropped out. Okay. So talk talk me through going to college, deciding to drop out, and starting your career, <clears throat> and where that looks like now, having gotten to to Broadway, working on Broadway, and then where you are now. I know it's a lot, but um, yeah, no. Well, I was actually kind of a mess. Um, my big, I was always a terrible student. Uh, theater was the only thing that mattered to me, and it wasn't that I was dumb. I'm not book smart. I'm very intelligent. But if a subject doesn't interest me, there's no hope. Sure. You can give me a million tutors. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Right. And, um, you know, which was a big challenge for my parents. And um, they were afraid I wasn't even going to graduate high school. And, you know, obviously I did. My dad came to me and he's like, hey, I found a college that will accept you. <laughs> and I was like, you did? And uh, Where is it was the University school? of the Arts. I know. It was the <laughs> University of the Arts in Philadelphia. <clears throat> I auditioned. I got the most promising artist scholarship. Oh, wow. And I, I know. And I got really excited. Now, here's the thing, Joe. Guess what? What? Everybody that gets into that school gets the most <laughs> promising artist scholarship. <laughs> So my art school that accepted me was basically the Special Olympics of art schools. Um, <laughs> and so I went there, and some of the teachers were great, some of them weren't. But my main interest was partying. <laughs> I was across the United States from my family. I was so entitled and didn't even really know it. And... Um, also, my parents were paying for everything, and so I was just, like, partying my face off and not paying attention. I, you know, hated school every second of it, and sure. so finally, halfway through sophomore year, I quit. I just started trying to find work as an actor, and it was a very bumpy road. I made a lot of terrible decisions, but yeah. I started working in Philadelphia. I got my equity card. And then I was a working Philly actor for a few years. And by the time that my class was actually graduating was when I decided that I was going to move to New York. Mm. And um, yeah, so I mean, it was a it was a bumpy road. I wanted to ask you, how do you feel? And I know this is this is you probably get this quite a bit, this question, and it's probably a little bit varied, but but your perspective you went to school, dropped out, but by the same time that everybody's graduating, you're moving to New York. And so what I, the question I want to ask you is, did you feel, and I understand uh, we talked about like if a subject doesn't interest you, you can't learn it. I totally get that. I'm right there with you. But do you feel as, in general, and also for you, that it was better to kind of just immediately start learning the business, being immersed in it, learning through trial and error, making mistakes and then moving forward? Or do you think it benefits people to take the four years of college, maybe dip a little bit into that depending on where you are in the U.S. 
and then start after it with a degree. So I guess I guess I'm I'm like working through a thought there. I guess maybe question is Yeah, how, no, I, I hear you. How important do you feel that degree <clears throat> is or is not for this profession in your experience? If you're going to be an actor or, you know, in the business and as a performer or stage manager or something, um, the degree is useful for when you aren't working and you need to get a real job. Okay. Not like acting or whatever isn't a real job, but basically that degree is going to be like when you're at a temp agency, the temp agency is either going to be like this job pays $20 an hour or $10 an hour. Okay. You know, so yeah, that yeah, yeah. is the benefit of the degree. Also, for going to a, a program for four years, they can help you like get in front of agents okay. at the end of your fo- four years if they do a showcase. Okay, that makes That's sense. sort of the importance. Now, for me, I think everybody is very different. Sure. School was not for me. I don't think I'm a school person. I never have been. However, I still believe in training. I believe in taking classes. I never have stopped taking classes and learning and growing. And I feel like that is vital for any performer. Right. Um, But everybody's path is different. I certainly made, you know, I don't want it to sound like, well, I dropped out and look at me now because that's not how it works. (laughs) Right, right. You know, like I was in, you know, many very abusive relationships. I had a lot of, you know, issues with drugs when I was younger Mm. and um, put myself in a lot of bad situations. Yeah. I learned from all of that and I've grown from all of that. And I don't want to say I would do it again if I could, you know, or not do it again because I'm here and I'm happy with where I landed. Right. And I think that's so key too is, is, you know, our experiences in life are what shape us to where we ultimately end up. And I think I I was having this conversation with somebody the other day and, and they were saying, they were like, would you go back and like do this all over again? If you, if you could, would you do this different? Would you do that different? And I started initially like, oh yeah, I wish I'd known this and I wish I'd known that and done this and yada, 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 all that stuff. And it got to a point where I said, actually, you know, truth be told, if I hadn't had these experiences and I listed them, I went, I don't know that I would have gotten to the point where I knew what to do. And it's so, it's this weird dichotomy where it's you hate not hate hates a strong word but it's like you wish you didn't have to go through some of the pain and yet ultimately that's what makes you the person you are and and i have a lot of mantras that i love to quote um that are very near and dear to me and one of them uh from a dear friend uh catherine her and she passed this on to me and so i've adopted it but the the mantra is speak from the scar not the wound and, all right. And, all right, mantra. Right. And I love that because she explained, she said, you know, when you're in the middle of a wound, it's raw, it's fresh, it hurts, you feel it every time you're moving, and you have no perspective or clarity because you're so focused on just the immediate wound. But as time passes, you get some perspective and clarity, you've got a scar, you're able to step back and look at the full picture and say, you know, I don't know that I would have been able to learn and grow if I didn't have this. Yes, it was bad, but it can also be good and helpful for me as a person. And so you've got that like perspective and clarity. So I think, I think to your point, and this is the through point, because I always love to like 
find my through point back to where we were talking. But I think what you were talking about, everything is different for every person. And yes, you may not have want to do, you may not want to do everything exactly the same as you did to get to this point. However, you're able to look back on perspective and clarity and say, school wasn't for me. Here's how it would have been beneficial. Here's what I know. If I had gotten it, what would have happened? Here's how I know that I was able to get to where I am without it. And you're able to take both of those pieces of information, move forward. And, and to your point, understand, well, I'm still going to keep educating myself in my craft because that is what's going to help me move forward and progress and learn and grow. And, and I love that. I think the, the theme is even if you're not in school, even if you're in the business, even whatever that is, you still need to be open and willing to learn and grow constantly because I feel like we're never at a point where we're like, yep. All right, good. I've um, done 10 years of uh, dance and I'm pretty sure I've learned literally everything there is to know. I'm good. I'm set. Yeah. <laughs> and I just love that. And I think well, there's always yeah. some asshole that right. thinks that. <laughs> but you can't change them. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I feel like your 20s especially are like a second puberty in a way. Oh, it's like yes. you're yep. a baby adult. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, like what what do you do when baby reaches for the fire on the on the stove? Like. Do you let it burn itself and be like, yep, never again. Right. And that's sort of what being, what my young adulthood was like, was touching different stoves and learning the hard way. But I learned. Right. Absolutely. If you want to follow Josh and see what he's up to, the best way for you to do that is to go to his website, joshlayman.com. That's Josh, L-A-M-O-N.com. You'll be able to subscribe to his fantastic podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network called Josh Swallows Broadway. You'll be able to see what shows he's got coming up, what other projects he's working on. Josh is someone you definitely want to follow. And if you have the chance to see him live, make sure you go and do that. Now, our last clip is from... Episode 95, They, Them, featuring my good friend Saffron. Saffron came on to discuss uh, coming out as non-binary, what that entails, their entire journey, I guess you would say, uh, their entire non-binary journey throughout life. And, and, they, and they discussed that in a very open and honest way. I asked some clunky questions, but we have a really good dialogue. And the clip you're going to hear is part of their story coming out as non-binary, what that has entailed so far. And I think if you are somebody that's trying to get a glimpse into someone who is non-binary, this is a great episode for you to start your knowledge from and then build on that definitely. So I cannot wait to have Saffron back on this show. But if again, if you want to hear the full conversation, go back and listen to episode 95, They Them featuring Saffron, which was originally released on June 2nd, 2019. of explain myself and, sure. to, and to explain how I uh, landed on uh, this really abstract 
word called yeah. non-binary, which you know, it kind of by nature, uh, it like it's it's so it, it non-binary isn't just uh, a kind of like ignoring of the binary, but is a kind of admission that my existence, uh, as it pertains to my gender, is abstract and and. Uh, not only fluid, but just totally like almost gaseous, sure. you know, it's, right, 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 right. and it doesn't exist in any sort of vacuum or anything like that. Um, and the way that I sort of landed at that was there was this, um, there was this very real and very um, imminent like dissonance in my life um, for a really long time. And it, it uh, I became particularly conscious of it when I lived in New York, but looking back, I, uh, it was always there and, um, it was sort of this thing that was keeping me from having, um, the fullest of interactions with people socially. Um, and so I sort of like through note, you know, everything starts with noticing. I think that like, like healing starts with noticing, you know, um, and figuring yourself out starts with like noticing small things. And, um, yeah, so I noticed this dissonance and then I started to, just I don't know like investigate I think that uh, I think that we're all investigative by nature I'm also like a highly creative person and um, I think that that definitely helped me to get there uh, maybe not faster by comparison to others but faster than if I myself was not as creative as I am you know Um, so I don't know it took a it took a lot of time and that time uh, I'm glad that I did that work but that work was really uh, grueling like yeah. that was like my like yoke for a long time um um and i don't know i mean the work itself is abstract so it's hard to kind of say what that even was sure. but there was a lot of searching and there was a lot of like you know th- thank god i had my friends who were like very supportive through through all stages of that um but uh basically like through my friends i was able to kind of experiment with um, with pronouns um, and language is such an important part of like right. how we live our daily lives, right? Obviously, like that's <clears throat> sort of like, I don't feel like I have to explain that. We right, all know right, that that's right. super important, being able to communicate verbally. Um, so I was able to um, try different modes of communications with my friends. Um, and eventually, whenever I, whenever I got to kind of like a middle point and I decided like my identity has definitively changed um, from what it used to be, or I've arrived at this other place that is, is definitively different than uh, where I used to be. Um, I had my friends uh, when I turned 27, which was like my golden birthday. It was like 27 on the 27th. This seems like a big deal. You it, know, I mean, it like, is a really big deal. Yeah. I was 11 when I hit mine and I was not aware of it. Yeah, and so well, I can't. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. My wife uh, hit hers at five. So I feel yeah, a little bit better. Some people about don't get to enjoy theirs, but I, I feel like I got really lucky. It really, it lined up for me in a way that I was sort of discovering this new identity as I turned 27 on the 27th right. and uh also sort of like if you're an astrological person or if you just like look upwards towards the heavens at all um it was around the time that my saturn was returning as well okay. so a lot of things were lining up and what i did was i uh had a circle of my closest friends um come together for like a couple of weeks leading up to my birthday and actually they took a little bit longer which i'm grateful for yeah. <laughs> um and they came up with uh another a new name sort of like a re um, 
a relabeling yeah, sure. of, of, uh, of both me, my abstract identity and me, my very real life body. You sure. Know? Right. So, um, and that felt really important and it also kind of led me on a f- much faster track to just real, to understanding my identity as it pertains specifically to my gender. Right. Um, and then that eventually led to being like, uh, you know, I don't think that I align with, uh, the way that we define uh, gender in a binary, and I think that I not only lie somewhere in the middle, I also lie on both sides of the, expect- of, the of the spectrum in various ways, um, and that um, landing on the spectrum is not, uh, I'm not landing in a fixed point at any given time. So I've, there are um, ways, societally speaking, that I feel like I'm very masculine, um, sure. you know, like yeah. I... Uh, I love camping and I love building things and I love like, uh, like physical labor. Sure. Uh, but then I'm also very delicate and I'm an artist and I love, uh, flowers and, you know, there's so, you know, societally, uh, I guess those were the kind of the first indicators that something was amiss, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I was like, there's too much of this, uh, that I'm being, uh, too much of this that I'm being told doesn't really apply to me or right. it applies too much. And really there's sure. like, there's like this overflow of gender markers where I'm just like, I'm kind of all over the map. What do I do? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what's so, what's so great. And you know, I, for, for, for listeners that have been around for a while, a good friend of mine, Nick North, who's a trans man who birthed four of his five children was on and he was talking about the fact that he knew from a very young age, he was like, this doesn't quite line up with what yeah. I f- know to be true for my authentic self. Right. Yeah. And uh, he didn't have a word for it. Cause there wasn't a word that he knew at the time. And, right. and, and his grandma told him like, I, I support you, but I've there, what I know is what you know. And there's not, totally. there's nothing there is there. Right. But, but now, you know, he got older, he realized like, no, this is, this is the word. I am a trans man. This is yeah. what it means for me. Yeah, yeah. And for you, it's like now there is this word non-binary. This is encompassing of what I know to be true for myself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it I, hits the closest. Right. Yeah. And I think so what we're, what we're discovering as a society, like the collective we, right, is we're learning that just because, how do I want to frame this? I want to be very careful how I frame it, is... I hear a lot of times people are like, well, there were no non-binary people in my day. There there were no no trans people in my day. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, right. right. Well, we're learning these words and we're giving, we're naming it and claiming it, so to speak. Right. right? And so, and so it's like, yeah, I think there, there statistically were people, but they didn't know what to, what to call, what to call what they felt and to, to name it. And so maybe they lived unfulfilled lives as a result of that. And, and that's sad to think about, but what, what is nice to think about is the fact that we now know this and we can pass this on. So our children and their children's children have a a full spectrum to be, you know, maybe I'm non-binary, maybe I'm trans, maybe I'm, you know, gay, lesbian, or anywhere on the spectrum. And I think what we're really learning is that identity specifically is such a wide spectrum and, and it can mean a lot of different things for a lot of people and and we're slowly ever so slowly but getting to the point where we're no longer caring what someone's identity is we're more concerned with what we should have always been concerned with which is who are they how do they add value to my life how do they add value to the yeah. world kind of a thing and just you generally know? like how are they doing yes you know, exactly like, it's like uh you know the same way that you care about your friends and their well-being it's just exactly. sort of like yeah um and i think going back to what you said about uh the people back in the day right (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like you know we sort of get 
like liberty grows exponentially and like the way that we are allowed to be free uh, grows uh, more and more rapidly with time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, and so does language and so do so many other things. So it's like, you have all of these things that are um, sort of taking up so much more space uh, than they used to. So it, it, I, you know, in some ways I understand it's like, oh, there were no binary people back in the day. And I'm like, right. well, yeah, like you didn't, the uh, gender is so dependent on language that right. it's almost as if there weren't, you know what I mean? Right. But yes, it's, yes, um, yes, yes. you know, because gen, th this whole idea of gender is, um, I, I love, I forget who said this. It's one of the people who created Broad City. I, oh. I was listening to. Such a great show. Yeah. I was listening to some other podcast and uh, she said. Uh, she said gender is drag and I was like yeah that's it like that's that's <laughs> yeah. absolutely it gender is just drag um, because you sort of like you um, gender is sort of like this road where you go as far as you need to and then you stop and then you keep right. going when you feel like you need to go again so it's like you're just sort of deciding like this is where I'm at right now and this is and wherever that is is sort of just it depends on if language has caught up to you yes and um, so, you know, in in that way, I feel uh, like I don't want to say I don't want to say I feel like I'm ahead. I just feel like I went a little farther on my journey right. with gender specifically. There are right. a lot of journeys I haven't gone that far yeah. with, you know, <laughs> yeah. like um, I don't, it could probably be a lot better at managing my finances <laughs> or um, I don't know. There's, you yeah. Know, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I went really, really far down this road. And thankfully, there are words um, within our language that um, I can use to make sense of where I'm at right. in in relation to others around me. Um, yeah. And it can be really frustrating <laughs> to, to kind of like be extended uh, out farther than uh, the group. Right. You know, um, and maybe not even not. not not necessarily to say farther as in farther ahead, but just farther out, you yep. know, farther out from the nucleus. Right. Um, it can feel definitely a little uh, lonely. It's a little frustrating. It's, um, it's just, it's just, I would say that it's probably among the most challenging things that I'm dealing with in my life. And sure. we all deal with challenging things yeah. in our lives. And this is just mine. Right. You know, what has been your parents' reaction to you? Yeah. Well, or to, that was a little bit harsher than I meant to say. <laughs> I guess what I want to say is, <laughs> since you were rechristened as, yeah. I, I don't know if that's the exact right way to say yeah. it, but as Saffron, uh -huh. you know, how was that conversation? That's 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 yeah. what I want to ask. Well, about. it's actually really funny because as public as I am about having changed my name and about having... Um, uh, sort of identified as non-binary pretty solidly for now. Um, yeah, I haven't really had that conversation with my parents because I don't, um, in some ways I feel like uh, it is highly uh, due just be to the fact that like I haven't had, um, I haven't had a not close relationship with my parents, right. but we haven't been, there were so many struggles uh, growing up that we didn't get a chance to develop this sort of like um, this rapport with each other where we like check in and let each other know where we gotcha. how we are yep. in our emotional spheres and our like, you know, in these sort of more amorphous parts of our lives. Right. You know, we sort of get fixated um, on, you know, are you OK financially? Are you eating enough? You know, right. that, that yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. thing. It's like and the I'm, basic it, need stuff. Yeah. yeah, basic need stuff. And like that's 
our relationship is really great and I feel really grateful uh, for the relationship that we have. But it just is such that I almost feel like we just haven't gotten there yet mm-hmm. and that the that you know, the, it's not so much an issue of like, do I want to come out to my parents? Of course I want to come out to my parents and I don't feel like I have anything really se- like uh, to hold as a secret. Like this isn't, to me, being non-binary is neither interesting nor controversial. You know what I mean? Like yes. it's just, it's just sort of who I am. And right. I, and I, um, I don't feel like it's a big enough deal for me to feel really nervous about having that conversation. It's yep. just like they, they, my parents, um, are, we're just too com. We're too complicated. Sure, you know, and yep. I, I, yeah. we're just uh, we're not on any kind of linear path. Yeah. and I feel like I'm leaving it up to when there's a moment to say what I need to say, then I'll say it. Gotcha. Yeah. If you want to follow Saffron and see what they are up to, probably the best way to do that is to either go to their website, website highsaffron.com. That's high, H-I-G-H, Saffron, S-A-F-F-R-O-N.com. Or to follow them on Instagram. They are constantly, uh, constantly posting content on there as well. And their Instagram account is uh, Safi underscore good s-a-f-f-i-e underscore good g-o-o-d and uh, you'll really be able to follow along with their journey see what type of merchandise they might be selling really get their thoughts and interact with them they are fantastic and have an active social media presence that is it for this episode i provided you with a lot of great starting points to start your pride month off on a high note there's a lot more great conversations coming your way You are going to enjoy it. I guarantee it. And just for now, keep celebrating, keep living your full authentic self, and keep feeling that you can be out and proud. Take care. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, Be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.